Welcome to On The Rise Podcast with your hosts, Sam and Evan. Hello and welcome to On The Rise Podcast. My name is Sam Donsick alongside my co-host, Evan Brown. Before we get started, On The Rise Podcast is streaming on midtownradio.ca, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Our topics for today's episode are the Blue Jays starting pitchers list, uh, the Zach Wheeler signing, our Week 14 predictions, the Cowboys losing streak, sadly, uh, the Raptors losing woes, Eastern Conference uh, race, Joe Thornton's fight, and Nathan McKinnon. Let's begin in the NFL regarding the Cowboys after dropping their third straight against the Bears. What is the next move if you're Jerry Jones? Is it to fire uh, Jason Garrett? Because I know Urban Meyer, there's been discussion, because it's weird. Like He started talking about saying... Okay, like he's in the hot seat. If he doesn't go make a deep playoff run, he's fired. But then he backed it up saying, yeah, he's got a job for 2020. And then things came out about Urban Meyer being a possible replacement as well. Another college football coach. What is your next move if you are Jerry Jones? I don't know at this point because we've uh, <clears throat> the Cowboys have lost three in a row now. It's not looking good for their playoff hopes. Although I mean they are six and seven and still somehow leading the division, so who knows at this They're point? They're going to make the playoffs with probably a nine and seven record. Is my, is they, my they, guess? They could have like the worst record going into the playoffs ever. We don't know. Um, but either way, uh, I think depending on the result next week against uh, the Rams. I think you might have to fire Jason Garrett because it's not look. If if we lose four straight, then it's not looking good for the rest of the season. And I mean, they're already in talks with other head coaches, so they're already considering it. And Jerry Jones, I don't think, is very happy with what's been going on. And the team doesn't look like they're having a lot of fun playing. And I mean, they did almost come back against the Bears last night. Yeah, they but. almost did. But I feel like the problem is honestly is that I don't know if it Jason Garrett could be a problem. He could be one of the problems, or one of the many problems in Dallas of why it's not working. There's been discussions on are, if the players are reaching their full ability, are they playing as hard as they can, are they playing tough? Like, what, what is, like, in my mind, if I'm Jerry Jones, you have to look at it and saying, okay, like, and I remember this, th- th- he quoted last night, or uh, the other night, actually, not, um, that score didn't indicate how bad they beat us, like against the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Which is to, to some extent, yes, you lost 31 24. You lost a good game. But it doesn't matter. They scored 31 points against your defense. Mitchell Trubisky, who has been struggling all season, somehow managed to just like show up. Like he literally just yeah. showed up out of the blue yeah. against your defense. Now, granted, they do have some injuries on the defense as well, which would yes, make sense in regards been, to yeah. uh, Kyle Vanderesh as well missing. But I still think that maybe, not saying Jerry Jones is the problem, but he could be part of the problem in regards to how he is managing his team and how he is yeah, managing... Yeah, th- it could be part of the problem with Jerry Jones. I mean, a lot of people are also blaming like Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think you can blame them. Ezekiel Elliott has been pretty consistent all season. Same with Dak. He's maybe thrown an interception here and there, but he's still been pretty good this season. And I don't think it's the play, like the offense. I think the offense is fine. Personally, they didn't have a great start last night, but still, I don't think the offense is the problem. The defense, they've had a lot of injuries. And um, even on the offense, too, Amari Cooper was out for a couple weeks. Like, it's been a tough season for the Cowboys. And I think they were just so hyped up going into the season. They were ready to go. They had a great start. And then all the injuries hit them. And then all the like internal stuff, because they were talking about last week that, oh, there was like a shouting match in the locker room after the game. There's like maybe some internal debates going on. So, really, the Cowboys. Cowboys aren't in a great spot right now, and it's <clears throat> not looking good going forward. Yeah, and I definitely feel that right now, um, I'd say Jason Garrett, as they said, is he's lost the locker room. He, yeah. he has lost control of that team, and he's and I feel like that's where Jerry Jones might say, well, you don't have control of the team, so we can't move forward with you being the head coach. Because yeah. Ron Rivera got, hired, well, got fired as well, if you think about it from him, from the bad season that he had with Carolina. So the question is, is Jason Garrett the next in line in regards to losing the locker room, and is that a 
common thing in in NFL or like in any sport really. But when you lose the locker room and the players don't res- not only respect you, but in regards to listen to your methods and understand your methods of coaching would be yeah, one thing as it's, well. It's especially tough because they haven't had a lot of success this season, and um, especially with football locker rooms, is there's so many guys you have to try to control. You have to control the defensive side, offensive side. Like the offense could be on page with Jason Garrett, or the defense could not be. It really just depends. There's right? 50 so, plus guys in that change room exactly. who are who are definitely, and you want to be on the same page as a team. You want to know yes. what is your end goal for the season and what is your goal week to week in regards to that exactly so and like i think that they're really confused on their goal right now and obviously they want to go for the same goal but they're not getting the results they wanted and they've had so many injuries and it's just been an overall tough season for the cowboys and i think if the if they do drop the next game against the rams uh, they are going to have to make some sort of big change going into the uh, eagles uh, eagles game in week uh, 16 but that's tough because it's so late in the season right now you can't make a big a change and i think it might have to be a coaching change but we'll see We'll see, definitely. Uh, moving on over into now our Week 14 predictions. Uh, let's start with the Colts versus Buccaneers. Buccaneers hosting the Colts. Colts have had a pretty good season. Um, tough loss yeah. last week against the um, uh, Titans, really. Yep. Uh, disappointing loss at home, if you think about it as your Colts fan. Uh, yep. uh, if you think about it as your Colts fan. Who do you have in here, or who's your pick for the game today? I mean, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Colts in this one. The Colts do have the better record as of right now, but Jameis Winston has had an okay season. I mean, he hasn't been the greatest quarterback in the world, but he has looked pretty decent. And, I mean, I don't know. I think that uh, the Colts have been okay under Jacoby Brissett, but I don't think they're the greatest right now. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Colts at home. All right, this is a big game this week. Uh, Ravens versus the Bills, two top teams in the AFC fighting off or squaring off. Who do you, who's your pick uh, for the game? With the way Lamar Jackson's been playing this season and the Ravens record right now, it's impossible to go against Lamar Jackson in this one. I have to go with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I mean, the Bills are at home. Bills have been playing really well this season, uh, 9-3 and three right now. But I have loved what Lamar Jackson's been doing with the Ravens, and the Ravens look like the better team so far this season. So I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. That's that an easy one for me. I'm picking the Ravens over the Bills. Lions versus the Vikings. Uh, big matchup there. Vikings at home coming off the loss against Seattle. Um, I'm picking the Vikings over the Lions. Vikings have looked really strong. Dalvin Cook as well, possible. That's that's a questionable with regards to his injury as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins is of course uh, really hasn't had that that great of a se- hasn't had has had a decent season, but not that great of a season in my mind. Yeah. But I'm still gonna pick the Vikings over the Lions at home there. Yeah, Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook have had really good seasons uh, for the Vikings, and Lions have not looked all that strong this season. Maybe some injuries can debate that, but either way, I'm going uh, Vikings at ho- uh, over the Lions at home. Already Redskins versus Packers. This is an easy one for me. Packers uh, are taking this one. The Packers yeah. really... They they had some woes. They went one and two of the last three games, or before they won last week, but they won and two in the last three games before. Um, so they've gone back on track, and I think the Packers are going to take this one at home against the Redskins. Yeah, that's Reds, an easy win. The Redskins haven't looked that strong this season, and the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has just been taken over as he usually has been. So I'm going the Packers at home against the Redskins. Alrighty, Texans versus Broncos. This is an easy one for me. I'm taking the Texans. Really, they've had a solid season this year. Uh, Deshaun Watson has really shown has is improved greatly in regards to his uh, level of play yeah. in the NFL. Fell and I think and they definitely beat, they beat the Patriots. Last they beat week, the Patriots so last week. So I'm um, going with the Texans on this one over that's, the Broncos. Yeah, that's a big one there. Uh, 49ers versus Saints. This is going to be a really interesting matchup. Definitely a heavy uh, NFC heavyweight between uh, two top teams, both ten and two. Now this is a huge matchup as well because, of course, the Seahawks play. Um, who did they, uh, I can't remember. Oh, the Seahawks play the Rams on the road, but another big game. But if you think about it now, the 49ers versus the Saints. Who is your pick there? 
I think I'm going to give the advantage to the Saints just because they are at home in this one. And, I mean, Drew Brees has looked okay coming off his injury earlier on in the season. Uh, they do lead the NFC South right now, so I'm going to go with the Saints at home over... I'm going to disagree with you. Despite being... In, I, I'm picking the 49ers to win this I want the Saints, I want the Saints to win this game because yeah. I don't want the 49ers to win. But I do think that the 49ers are going to bounce... or they're Well, they have bounced back, but they're going to continue to bounce back against the Saints here and take, pick a big, take a big W on the road. Um, Bengals versus the Browns, big divisional game there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking the Browns at home. They haven't looked really solid this season. Uh, they've had an up and down season. We did Freddie say that last week that the Bengals had the best chance against the Jets last week to, for them to get a win, and they somehow did pull off a win last week. Yes, so <laughs> they they uh, surprised us uh, the entire football world with that one. But um, uh, I think the Browns should take this one. Baker Mayfield. I mean, the Browns have had a tough season so far, but I think the, that Baker Mayfield and the Browns should take this one over the Bengals. I'd be surprised if they didn't. If you lose to the Bengals at home that's that's oh, the lowest they've already had season. so much turmoil this season that's that's got to be the lowest point if they lose that this season all right it's gonna be going Panthers versus Falcons um it's a tough one here really uh I'm gonna say Falcons at home they they've looked up and down really? but they yeah honestly they're at home they beat the Saints earlier on they're they can be a good football team when they want to be that's what I'm gonna say about the Falcons yeah I, I can when they want to be they can I'm saying yeah like when they want to be like obviously they always want to be but when they play well they are a good football team and they're a good football well-run organization so I'm picking the Falcons over the Panthers all right fair enough in their previous matchup Atlanta did win that game 29 to 3 um but although the Panthers are on the road they have the better record right now this is a pretty important divisional matchup I feel um for the Falcons if they want to maybe somewhat get back in the division I don't think they're going to do much this season but the Falcons do have a um, m- bit more to play for, I feel, so far. Um, but more I'm gonna, pride, I'd say. I get, Yeah, for pride. I, I, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Plant- Panthers, honestly, with this one uh, over the Falcons. All right, I know we talked about the Jets a little bit earlier in regards to losing or losing to the Bengals, but now they face the Dolphins, who have looked recently pretty well, honestly. They, uh, They've they, looked better. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been kind of carrying them, I yes, feel. Yes, he has been carrying. Fitzmagic is uh, possibly back, question mark? Uh, no. <laughs> Could be. Uh, Dolphins. Could be. I'm going to take the Dolphins on the road here against the Jets. That's I think, what I'm picking. Yeah, I think the Jets, I mean, the record, the Jets record is better right now, but the Jets have lost some pretty embarrassing games this season, especially that last, that one last week to the Bengals, which can really affect you, especially because you just gave up. Uh, you faced a team that was 0-11 and you gave up a win. Like, that shouldn't be happening. No, so. you should be able to see <laughs> you should be able to beat them as a th- they were a three and a four and seven team going into that game they should have won that mm-hmm. game uh either way i'm going with the dolphins over the jets already chargers versus jaguars and an interesting part of the is gardner Minshew has been named starters versus the chart uh has been named the starter versus the Chargers after Nick Foles' uh, bit of a terrible game last week. Multiple turnovers early yeah, in the first quarter. Yeah, he had not a very good game Not a very good all. game. I'm going to take the Jaguars over the Chargers here because I always feel like the Chargers, like I'd say like I'd pick the Chargers, but if you look at all eight losses this season have been by seven points or fewer. Yeah, they've they, had close games. Last week against the Broncos, they were like I, I think they were no, they were on defense and there was a pass interference penalty on them and uh, Denver ended up hitting the game winning field goal on them. Yes, that's yes, that's, I did see that. So yes. you can see clearly they've just they haven't gotten the bounces this year. So I'm picking the Jaguars at home here. Yeah, I think just the this this has been a very unlucky season for the Chargers so far. And I mean, I, I've liked the play of Gardner Minshew so far this season. I know they've been trying to implement Nick Foles in there. He hasn't looked that great. Uh, I'm going with the Jaguars over the Chargers at home. All right, this is a big uh, matchup here. Week uh, 14 matchup. Chiefs versus the Patriots. Who is your pick? 
This it, game is huge, I feel, for both teams because um, the Patriots are 10 and, uh, 10 and 2 right now. They did lose last week to the Texans, which everybody was kind of surprised about. Uh, and the Chiefs are 8 and 4. They're looking to secure the uh, AFC West. Patrick Mahomes looking for kind of a bounce back week. He didn't have a. No, I mean, he's been. The Devons carried that win, I'd say. They, yes. they carried him last yes. week. He he's been he's been looking okay after the injury, but he hasn't really had that dominant game that we're so used to seeing with Patrick Mahomes. So I'm gonna go with the Patriots on this one over the Chiefs. This is this is really hard because when you think about both teams, their records don't really show how well they've played. Like the Patriots yes, they are have ten and two. Really good. Yes. The Patriots have about ten and two. But I think about the two losses that they've had were against the uh the oh, the, the Ravens the Ravens and. The Texans. The, the Texans. So if you think about it, like in, in regards to the Chiefs as well, they haven't had that season where you think, okay, like I wasn't expecting them to have four losses by now or the Patriots to have two losses. Obviously, yep. you're not, not going to be a fully undefeated team, but I feel like right now, in my mind, I'm picking the Patriots over the Chiefs based on those, just like that, like kind of like thinking there. So, yep. Um, already Titans versus the Raiders. Who do you, who do you have here? Titans versus the Raiders. This one's going to be an interesting matchup. Neither team has had an outstanding season, kind of average for both teams. I'm going to go with the Titans on the road, though. I think uh, Ryan Tannehill will uh, pull this one out uh, over Derek Carr in this one. The Titans are on the road in this one. Uh, but I'm going to go with them, uh, the Titans over the Raiders. Okay. Um, I know. I'm thinking the Raiders at home here. Uh, Raiders at home? Yeah, yeah that's mean. that's my pick there. I feel that uh, Derek Carr will have a solid game. And yeah. I think the Titans are going to be in for it. Uh, Steelers versus the Cardinals. <laughs> It's really uh, interesting to see these two top, these two teams really who haven't had great seasons. Kyler Murray hadn't had the season that I expected at least. Of the Steelers or, have been heating up though. Steelers have been heating up as well. They're not doing too bad. I think they're, what, they're seven and five now. Yep, they're seven and five now. They're seven and five. Yeah. So really, based on that, I'm just Devlin Hodges say, has been doing really well. As a, I'm picking a the Steelers string. on the road. I'm yeah. picking the Steelers on the road. I know you know they're going into Arizona, but I still think that the Steelers could easily. Uh, no, they, not... they, I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. They're under the radar right now because they've been heating up over the past couple of games. Their third string quarterback, Devin Hodges, has been doing uh, really well in the absence of uh, yeah the ben adversity. The adversity and... of uh, the Steelers is just insane. Like even oh, yeah. the players that they lost in the offseason, they lost Big Ben, they lost other star players, and now they're seven and five fighting yeah. for a playoff spot. All because they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick for a couple of picks. That's been the key t- difference for them. Ever since they made that trade, they have looked so good this season. And I mean, Kyler Murray has had a good season. Cardinals' record is a bit disappointing, I feel, compared to what they were doing. But Kyler Murray. I, I don't think he's going to be happy with his first season, but still he has looked pretty good as the quarterback. But either way, I think the Steelers have been on a tear lately, and I've, I've been looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next, so I'm going to go with the Steelers over the Cardinals. Already last two games here. First, the Sunday night game, Seahawks versus Rams in L.A., uh, who's your pick here going into this game? This one, this one's gonna be a good game. I feel. I mean, the Rams haven't like haven't got the results they've wanted this season, but they are still a pretty decent football team. I feel. Jared Goff is usually a really good quarterback. Todd Gurley usually an incredible running back for them. I'm going to go with the Seahawks though on this one. To much to your delight, um, this is a pretty good, uh, important divisional battle. And I mean, the Seahawks have looked pretty good this season. I must admit, and Russell Wilson has looked pretty good. So. I'll give it to your Seahawks on this one over the Rams. Alrighty, I I think okay, like 
is like the Seahawks are going to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be an easy one because you're going into LA. You've had some trouble there before. Yeah, I don't think they've ever really like even especially last season as well. They really struggled against LA. This year is different though because like the LA Rams were well, they want to close. They lost a close one to the Seahawks really, where they technically should have won in my mind because yeah. they missed a 44 yard field goal that really was more of a chip sh- like not a chip shot but yeah. a game winning field goal you had to make earlier in the year. But right now, if you look at it, both teams are playing fairly well. The Rams have kind of refound their offense in regards to um, where they play. They had the tough game against the Ravens, of course, uh, like their yep. defense was, and they didn't score a lot. But since then, I think they've really improved, and it's going to be a close game, but I still think the Seahawks are going to take this one. It's going to be a close game, though. Yeah, um, I think the Seahawks will definitely take this one. And then, of course, Monday Night Football. Mon- this game is huge for the Eagles. The Eagles versus Giants on Monday Night Football. The, the Eagles need to win this one, especially with the Cowboys losing already this week. If the Eagles win, they're tied with the with the uh, Giants. No, no, with, the with the Cowboys, yeah. With the Cowboys for the uh, for the division. And they, sh- they should win this one. It's the Gi- They're coming up against the Giants. The two they're and ten, at home. They're at home against the 2-10 and ten Giants. Daniel Jones has looked not the greatest so far this season for the Giants. The Giants as a whole haven't looked that great. The only really, like good decent player for them this season has been Saquon Barkley so I am going to go with the Eagles sadly because and I think they're going to tie up the division okay I'm picking the Eagles as well at home uh, it's going to be a close game I th- well actually that's a close game but uh, Eli Manning is playing though for the game actually because oh Dan- yes he is yes, I forgot because Daniel Jones out. is injured and he doesn't want to further injury the possibility so Eli Manning will be stepping I in maybe that was maybe that. we'll see some old Eli magic maybe maybe um, maybe hopefully as a Cowboys fan <laughs> <laughs> that is true Alrighty, that wraps up our NFL discussion regarding the Cowboys dropping their third straight and our week 14 predictions Already moving on over into the MLB, the Blue Jays this or last season as well didn't really have a good starting or didn't have a really good uh, bullpen in regards to pitchers. So, who in your mind for starting pitchers, who or the dreamless, who's your topic for if they were to pick a, like a one ace or two aces that would be really yeah, solid? Yeah, the Blue Jays have been in talks with a lot of free agents so far this season. I know, I think they've maybe met with Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, but they've they've been. Uh, those two pitchers have mostly been in talks with the Yankees so far this season, and it sounds like they were in on Zach Wheeler, who we'll get to in a minute, who signed with the Phillies, um, and I think they were in a lot of races there for pitchers. They've been talking with almost every pitcher they can to just to see who they can add to mm-hmm. their bullpen. They are in uh, talks with Michael Pineda before he signed, but I think the really key pitcher that the Blue Jays are looking into right now is Hugin Ryu. Uh, I believe it was uh, Ken Rosenthal or John Morosi, one of the two, uh, was reporting that... Um, uh, Hugin Ryu had them at the top of his list and the Blue Jays were really interested in uh, pushing for him. They were talking maybe of a $100 million deal, which for Hugin Ryu's season last season, he had a less than 2.5 ERA, uh, I think 18 wins, maybe something like that. He had a good, really good season for the Dodgers. And $100 million is not that bad if you think about it. Not that bad, no, considering how much he would mean to this team because the Blue Jays need a starting pitcher badly. They need an ace and that would be a top ace for them. Yeah, and their last ace, if you think about it, was David Price. Their last ace if you, okay, well, Dave David Price was yeah. at least from my recollection for 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 a couple weeks he was yeah. he was sure. technically our ace. I yes, guess. Um, no, definitely it's it's an interesting topic to be deciding on of who they're um, picking on because if you think about really the Blue Jays, the one thing that I noticed about Willie the MLB as well is that there's no salary cap. There, no, there, no, no. So the rich teams get ri- like they get richer, but they they pick up the players. He's yep. in talk with the Yankees, right? Let's say like yep. let's say, and the Yankees have more money than the Blue Jays. Who is he going to sign with? And I'm not saying he's doing it for the money, but okay, he's in New York. He's in like still a a nicer environment. He's in the U.S. It's similar to the regards to it's the it's the similar to the Raptors struggling to get free agents. It's similar to the Blue Jays struggling to get free agents. It's that you're in another country. You're in Toronto. 
you're not going to get as much money because they don't have as much money in regards to cap space to pay you. So it's definitely interesting to see. Yeah, um, uh, especially because um, Hyunjin Ryu is coming off of, uh, well, he's been playing in LA the past couple seasons, which is a big market. And to me, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would want to play in a big market because he's he's a quieter guy, right? Yeah. He's, he's coming over from, uh, I believe, Japan or some Asian country. I'm not 100% sure where he's from. Either way, he's coming over and he's playing in a huge market where the fans are loud. It's all about the money and they have been in the playoffs the past couple seasons, but he doesn't strike me as a guy who's like overly passionate and wants to play in that big market. He seems like a, a guy who wants to quietly go about his business and take over the league in a sense that he wants to be under the radar. And I feel as a Blue Jays pitcher, he could do that because he could be loved by the Canadian fans, but the league won't take as much notice Can, of him. Canadians, I don't know what it is about us in regards to sports fans, but we love when a big free agent comes to us because we like just show them all the... We, we, we show them... We, like, we loved Kawhi when he was here for the year that he was, and we really wanted him to stay, but he didn't. But I feel like with Hugh Rio, like you said, he's a quiet guy. He's meant for more of a smaller market. He's not meant to play in LA. He's not meant to handle in New York as well. No. Because those are bigger markets. Those fans are ruthless. We they will, are. We will know. Even playing in like a market like Philadelphia as well. The yeah. fans are ruthless. If you don't do well, you will be yeah. booed. You will be not liked. Like, it's just not going to work yeah. out well. Whereas so going with, to Toronto, yeah. it's like that in the same sense in regards, but I feel like they're not as hatred is no right if, now, yeah. if, if you struggle for a bit they'll still cheer you on like they will always be behind your back and i know i know the blue jays were also interested in dallas keichel i feel like if they could get him on a cheaper deal that would work too um i mean dallas keichel didn't have the greatest season after he got signed last season but if the jays could pick him up for a decent deal or maybe get both of them i'd be fine with that going into next season because then you still have uh ryan barucki and um, a lot of young starting pitchers going into next season Already uh, talking about signing, the Phillies have signed Zach Wheeler to a mega deal. It was a five-year deal worth 118 million, so roughly about 23.6 million dollars uh, per year, roughly. Uh, is this the answer to the Phillies' problem in regards to uh, their struggles last season, and did they overpay for him? This is definitely a huge pickup for the Phillies. They needed a starting pitcher uh, other than Aaron Nola, who, who did have a good season last year. But now they have that one-two punch, right? They can go into the season with a good uh, good ace and then a good secondary pitcher. Uh, Zach Wheeler, I know, was talking with a lot of different teams. He was talking with the Jays, I believe, as well with the Yankees because the Yankees talk with everybody. Because uh, the Yankees them. clearly have all the money exactly. in the world to just exactly. say, hey, we're the Yankees, come play with us. you know? Yeah, and I know he was also in talks about maybe resigning with the Mets, but the Mets, I think, are going to be the, uh, the most affected by this deal just because they needed him last season he was their top pitcher and other than Noah Syndergaard obviously um, but he was very useful to the Mets last season so I think they'll be the most affected by it but the Phillies definitely get a really good starting pitcher here and I mean a five-year deal worth 118 million maybe a bit of an overpay for Zach Wheeler I know the Jays were thinking around 100 million as well for that uh, for that type of a deal if I was Zach Wheeler I was I maybe would have thought maybe a couple a bit longer term on this maybe a bit more money um, just because Zach Wheeler I don't know how old he is, but um, maybe looking for a bit of a longer deal, um, like um, a lot of the super, like big name players are getting nowadays. But either way, a five year deal is pretty good for him. And uh, the Phillies did need a secondary starting pitcher who can really help them take over uh, next year. And it could be the answer. I'm not sure. It's gonna. It's depends. really interesting to see because if you think about who the Phillies have signed over the past, they signed Bryce Harper last year to a big year, like to a big contract. They signed Zach Wheeler this year. They're spending a lot of money to be like um to to win and stuff like that. And sometimes that's not always the answer because well, like I've seen from other theories as well, it's not about always about paying the right, paying the most. It's about finding the right guy that has the right numbers. So in my mind, 
I do think it's a great pickup for the Phillies. Zach Wheeler is going to be a great addition to their bullpen. Um, I think the, in regards to the money, yes, you may have overpaid for him because like, but I feel like it's almost like a bidding war in that sense. But when you have a big free agent like Zach Wheeler, you kind of have to have you kind of have to have a more of a bidding war, and you have to pay the top price. You may yeah. you might overpay for him a little bit, but you're going to want to in regards to like you want to get yeah. him right. You want to yeah. be able to get. You want to make sure you're the one that gets like you're outbidding the other teams to try to make sure that he stays with your club. And I think the Phillies, yeah, like I said, Phillies have do get uh, do get a really good starting pitcher in Zach Wheeler. I think he's going to be very helpful for them this season, but we'll it will it will have to wait and see if he can be that final piece that they've been looking for. I still think they maybe need couple more offensive pieces maybe a, um, a closing pitcher bullpen guy around there but this is definitely a good start for the Phillies to working toward having a better season building their team around Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola already that wraps up our MLB discussion regarding the Blue Jays starting pitcher Dreamlist and the Philly signing Zach Wheeler Now moving on over into the NBA, the Toronto Raptors have struggled uh, just as of recently, dropping two straight at home against one against Miami Heat and one against the Rockets. Should fans be worried, and can they contain can they can, can they contend with the bigger boy as the big boy teams in regards to the Eastern and Western? I know it's a weird term to use, but yeah. can they can they contend with the uh, bigger stronger teams like the Rockets, like the uh, Miami Heat, like the Milwaukee Bucks, those kind of teams? Yes, I think that um, I mean the past two games uh, were, they were good games. There were close games. Uh, the Raptors did have some maybe defensive lapses in between there. They still looked pretty good as a team. Um, either way, I mean, you never want to drop too straight, especially at home, especially to Rocket. The Rockets were a big name team. You kind of want to improve there, as well as um, the the Miami Heat. I mean, obviously in the Eastern Conference, that's an important game. Either way, I mean, um, Kyle Lowry has uh, Kyle Lowry since coming back from injury has looked okay. I mean, he's still probably dealing a bit with that injury. He hasn't looked the greatest, and I feel that maybe had an effect just because he isn't. He is maybe not shooting as well as he should be as of right now. Um, but I feel like fans shouldn't hit the panic button as of right now. I mean, the Raptors still have a really good record. They're still contending in the East. I feel, and I mean, they play Philly coming up, and I feel like that's the next big test for them. And if they can beat Philly, they can still assert their like. Assert their dominance over the and really what's interesting what we'll talk about a little bit later is the Eastern Conference is wide open right at this point in regards to second seeds the Bucks the yes. Bucks are the clear favorite coming yes. out of the East thirteen in to thirteen game win streak, thirteen game win streak yeah. like they just haven't lost in the past like I don't know like week or a half or so um, but I definitely think yeah fans shouldn't be worried uh, it's still early on in the season you're only twenty games into the season it's hard to tell um, where this team is going the question is like can they can they sustain or can they can um, sustain this winning form in regards to because like what i feel the problem with the raptors i've watched the raptors over a number of years is that when they stop when they the reason why they don't play well is that they get into these situations where they tend to be rush a lot and they start shot chucking then yes like I i'll feel, see i'll I, see, I I'll, see that yeah i'll see a lot of times when they're when they're scrambling to get shots so then like siakam will quick you know run up the floor and then like quick hit a three and then miss it'll bounce out and it'll be run back out and they'll allow another three or another two points and then they'll run back and forth like you need to have a flow to the game and that is that is just too disruptive yeah and I feel like Nick Nurse have done has done a great job in regards to coaching that and understanding when to call the when to call the like timeouts at the right time. Yes. But I still feel it's a problem with the Raptors that I've watched for many many years now. They when they do this, it just seems to be a problem. And like when they start shot checking as well, 
Like, yeah, like if you I feel like, like Kyle Lowry is a bit of a um, of a guilty guilty in that sense. He can shot chuck shot chuck sometimes, especially as maybe Siakam as well. Um, especially on two the fast for eighteen, zero for eleven. Those those are the yes. numbers that Jay, like yes. I know it's his first game back from injury, but if you think about it, two field goals that is four yeah. points from the field, and then he scored another eight points off of uh, yeah. free throws. Yeah, so and that's why you, I think you saw Fred VanVleet get a, a couple more minutes um, in that regard um, coming off the uh, well. I think he was starting yesterday. Either yeah, way. he was starting, but um, he got way. he got more minutes then. Norman yeah. Powell stepped in as well. Yeah, Norman Powell has looked really good this season. I feel um, he's really stepped up in the absence of Lowry, um, and even when Lowry has been there, he hasn't looked the greatest. And I feel like that's a bit of a worrying thing. But either way, I don't think fans should hit the panic button right now. I feel like the Raptors are still going to be consistently um, consistently contending in the East at least for a top playoff spot um but either way i mean i feel like the raptors as long as they can contain the defense like the the strategy they used against the rockets i thought was very interesting to watch how they double teamed harden really when he was at the point with the ball which was a smart move in the sense that it pressured him but harden was able to pass off to westbrook who had a big night in the same at westbrook the same had a big night but also uh i can't remember who ben mcclemore ben mcclemore had, had like 20 28, 28 points and he had like he had like 16 in like the first half yeah like, it was insane because one of the things that what I've noticed about the like well watching that game last night is yes you may have contained James Harden to X or to only to like twenty three points or yep. something like that and only three trips to the free throw line, but the problem is now you almost put too much effort and too much game plan into and I don't know, and then I know they were talking about this last night is like well you don't really game plan for the bench guys like no one game no, plans no. to play against like like Hollis Jefferson nobody like, nobody no would one, have expected no one that game Ben Malcolm like, yeah Ben Malcolm was going to drop twenty eight but it did and the one thing that I noticed that is that. And just in regards to can they contend with the, like the whole can they contend with the bigger teams in regards to if they have a superstar they may contain them too. If you look at all the number of times that they've played uh, like a superstar, they contain LeBron, they contain Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, in all those games as well. If you look at the supporting cast, especially the Lakers as well, or no, the Clippers game as well, when they had the supporting cast that they still lost the game in yeah. regards to the like because of the supporting cast that the Clippers have. Yeah. So I think like that's a common thing as well is that you may have you may have stopped the superstar, but you can't put too much attention on. The super yeah. in today's game now i think yes. now you have to worry about the bench i feel like well. that strategy that they used against the rockets last night um containing harden would be good for a one superstar team but yeah. in the sense that the Rockets have Westbrook, they have Capella, and they have a good solid team all around, you can't really pull that type of a defense against them. You can contain Harden, but you have to contain the rest of the team as well as a whole. Whereas if you go to a, uh, against a one superstar team, maybe like the Miami Heat in the sense that you contain Jimmy Butler in that way, then you maybe see a different result because you make sure you isolate that superstar and you contain them, and then maybe they don't have the supporting cast around them that can shoot as well as other teams, right? So if against bigger teams like the Rockets, where they have multiple superstars, that's a good play. Or that's not that's not the best play. But against one superstar team, then the, that type of a defense would work better. I feel. Yeah, I definitely agree. Alrighty, moving on. Regarding the Eastern Conference, uh, like race and stuff like that, we all know that really the Bucks are really considered the number one seed coming out of the East. But who is the, I'd say, second seed contender? Who's gonna finish second, third, fourth? Like, what is your kind of like finish? I know it's still early in the season, twenty games, but yes. who's your pick then? I mean, the Celtics have looked pretty good this season. They currently hold the second uh, the second seed. The Heat as well have looked um, really well. The Heat um, before the Rockets, uh, the Raptors lost to the Rockets. The Heat were the only team to beat both the Raptors and Bucks at home this season. Um, and 
Uh, they have looked pretty good. Jimmy Butler has really taken over. The rookies, especially Kendrick Nunn, has take, have taken over in that sense. And, I mean, the Raptors and the 76ers are still there too, right? So you have to consider that side of the ball. It's really wide open if you look at records in regards to the Bucks or like number one. But you look at that number two, number three, number four, number four. They're very similar in regards to records. Yeah. They're, both there, they're all three or four of them. Yeah. 15 wins with like five to six losses. Yeah. The Pacers and if you are look, right there too. And if you think, okay, let's see. Now, let's see. The Raptors beat the 76ers, but then like the 76ers beat – Someone beat the Celtics, and then like the Heat beat then the Heat. So it's really like, or yeah, yeah. the Celtics beat, beat the, the Bucks, Heat. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's, whole... it's a big like conundrum of like games and stuff like that. So in regards to that, the Miami Heat I'd say have looked the most consistent along with the Boston Celtics. If you look at overall games, yes, I feel they like... have. They like you said, they beat. They're the first, the only team to beat the Bucks and the Raptors at home, which is tough to do considering they were the. It was the first lot first loss the Raptors had faced as well. Yes, um, of course they beat the Celtics on at home, but they haven't played them on the road, and so it's gonna be interesting because the Celtics are, I think are still on the feed possibly at home. I think they're ten and zero or something like that, which is a really good record. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see if they can do it on the road as well. Yeah, uh, in my mind, I think. And I mean, the biggest like thing. I, like like you're saying, it is wide open because after the sixth seed. Uh, Sixty to Indiana Pacers, who are also fourteen and seven, it just drops off. I mean, you have the Nets, who are eleven and ten, but after that, it's just all teams under five hundred. And um, if you really look at it, I think the East, like you said, is wide open, and any team can really take it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to see how the 76ers do coming down the stretch because they have looked a bit inconsistent in the sense that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons haven't looked the greatest. They had fifteen turnovers the other night, just them two. Exactly, exactly. And Joel Embiid had the zero point game we talked about mm-hmm. last week. So we'll see what it is for them coming up next. Alrighty, that wraps up our NBA discussion regarding the Raptors' struggles and the Eastern Conference race. Alrighty, moving now over into the NHL regarding some news regarding Joe Thornton and Peter Morazic that got in a bit of a scrum. Well, it wasn't really a scrum, but mini a mini fight that they had when uh, Joe Thornton poked the stick, honestly, of uh, poked the puck from Peter Morazic, and that happens all the time in games. Peter Morazic, I'd say in my mind, overreacted a bit. He kind of took a swipe at it. He did get a slashing paddle, and then Joe Thornton then proceeded to punch him in the mask. Who is it at fault? And, like, I know it's, like, Joe Thornton really started it, but if you think about it, that happens all the time in hockey games, and goalies usually don't care. Like, they usually care. Sometimes it happens. But, Pareto, like, Peter Morazic really, I think, went a little bit over the top, in my mind. Yes, I feel like he de- definitely did have a bit of a flop after the punch. And, I mean, Peter Morazic did take this too far. It was a bit of an overreaction, obviously. He got a good, sp- uh, he got a slashing penalty, deservedly so, because um, you see um, forwards go hard to the net all the time after pu- uh, goalies cover up the puck. They're told trying you. To get They're told loose. you. They're supposed to drive hard exactly. to the net, you know, like, if you snow the goalie, you snow the goalie. That's kind of like... Well, exactly. He didn't snow the goal, but he kind of like poked the puck, you know. Because yeah. you never know. Like, the puck could still be loose, and you just go exactly. for it until you hear the whistle. You hear the whistle, exactly. pokes it there. And Peter Morazic just really overreacted. It's coming in with the slash, and then Joe Thornton, I feel like, reacted accordingly, right? Because Peter Morazic was continuing to go after Joe Thornton, too. He was start- starting to talk to him after the whistle, and then... He was starting to come over to Joe Thornton, and then Joe Thornton decided to start to defend himself. And then Peter Morazic kind of overreacted, really dramatized everything. And then the whole um, dog pile ensued. And I feel like there there was a lot of penalties because of that. But um, I know think... it always tends to be. But if you look at what Peter Morazic did in regards to after he, he kind of covered his face, he kind of rolled over. Like he he played it like he got hit like pretty bad. I'm like, yeah. you, have a ma- you have a mask on. He has a glove on. It's not like he directly punched you. If it was like, yeah. if his mask was off and he took his glove off and like, 
right, like give him a nice little right. Like if it was hook. an actual proper fight, it was it a proper fight. Concerned. Yeah, then I'd be more concerned. But in regards to just a little like a punch like that, it just more was like it was more like an instinct moment where it just came out. I think from Joe Thornton in yeah. regards to because Peter Razik swiped at him, you know, and then Joe Thornton didn't like that. So then he thought, okay, I'm gonna put you, you know, down on the ground. He gave him a good old punch. So yeah, I in think... my mind, it's both parties were at fault a little bit each in regards yeah. to. Uh, yeah. I'd say it's not really like Peter Morazic, yes, he overacted, but Joe Thornton, like he started. So in regards, I think both parties are at fault, and I think it, in regards to it is a bit of a flop. In yeah. regards to Peter I think, I think both. Idea. I think both parties get a small fine. I think from the NHL, Joe Thornton, just because obviously you, you can't sucker punch people in today's NHL, but also for Peter Morazic for embellishment or diving in a sense because he did he did really overreact to that, and I mean still he slashed Joe Thornton after the whistle. We weren't really allowed to do that, and I feel like just just as a disciplinary thing because of what happened because of it, I think both get a small fine. It's but... a little warning from the NHL. These fines are always like five, ten thousand dollars. I always exactly. get, I always feel that it's like, it's well, what is that? What, it's pocket people. change for the guys. The guy's making like I don't know seven million dollars a year. Do you think he's really gonna care when he gets signed? Exactly. Edge, like a like a little. Joe Thornton's warning. a twenty year vet almost, and he's been he's gonna so retire. Much money. He's gonna exactly. retire. So he's, he he's made so care. much money. It's pocket change for him. It's yeah. like buying a coffee. He's like, okay, fine, I'll pay it. It's yeah, like, he'll pay the five thousand dollar fine and he won't do it again he won't exactly. do it again you know exactly um all right moving on nathan mckinnon says he will take less money on his new contract in 2023 is this the truth or is he just saying it for a media kind of thing in regards to the like in regards to is he saying like oh yeah i'll take less money and then 2023 comes and he's hey i want all this money because well, yeah because he's a really good player he, he he's is. had a really good season this year with the abs the abs yep. have now won five straight uh beating montreal the other night um so i think about it i think it's tough to tell if he's telling the truth or not. What are you? What are your thoughts there? I think that I think Nathan McKinnon is trying to play a bit of like good cop with the the Colorado fans and Colorado management because on his uh, contract right now he has taken a bit of a discount and I feel like he will he is a type of player that's like quote unquote not in it for the money he wants to play the game, but at the same time I feel like he's like. I feel like he's saying he's going to take less money, but he's going to take, like, instead of having a $12 million contract, he's going to take, like, an 11.5. He'll take a bit of a discount, but he <laughs> he's won't. He's not going to take a big pay cut. Because if you think about it, like, in regards to some players, some players are smart because they say, yeah, I'll take a pay cut if you're going to, like, if, if they want to bring in another player in regards to helping them win a cup. Like, yeah, exactly. You've seen other players do that. And I like when players do that because then they're not in it for the money. They're in it yeah. to win the game. They're in it to win a big championship moment, like like the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl, like any, any sport as well. Yeah. So in regards to, I do believe him, but I don't think he's going to take a significant pay cut. It's maybe going to be 500, like 500000 or maybe a million at max. He's going to say, yeah, instead yeah. of a $12 million deal, I'll take eleven and a half or $11 million deal. Exactly. That's what you're paying like, me. Like it's, a seven, like it's a seven for 11 kind of thing, like a $77 million yeah. deal. That's what I could see him signing pot potentially in the future. Yeah, maybe. And I mean... Uh, um, I don't know how old he will be in 2023, but either way, I mean, he has taken discounts in the past, so it could be the truth. And I mean, the thing with a lot of NHL play, uh, and just players in general who say they're going to take a bit of a discount to play with the team they've been with their career, their entire careers, they know that because they're going to be there for so long, because of the bare amount of brand deals they get, because you see Nathan McKinnon, he's in all the Tim Hortons commercials with Sid the, Sid the Kid. He's mm -hmm. in all different, probably in a ton of commercials in Colorado. And he really is just a big name star who's getting all the publicity. So a lot of stars who take a pay cut will make up for that money in brand deals. And they oh, know they're, they're easily, gonna they're going to, yeah, they're going to say, yeah, I'm fine with taking a pay cut. Because exactly. I know like some players honestly make more, some superstars in other sports, they make more money just on endorsements than actually exactly. getting paid. And that was an, that was an uh, argument with Mitch Marner um, going into their uh, going into their contract talks over the offseason because he makes so much money off of brand deals. He's got a Red Bull sponsorship. He's got 
Um, I think he's in, in State Farm, yeah. He's I was going to say that State case. Farm commercial. He's got a bunch of different brand deals, so he's making a bunch of that money because he's in a big market in Toronto. And mm-hmm. I mean, Colorado isn't as big of a market, but Nathan McKinnon is with Tim Hortons. He's a big Canadian icon. He's a star. And he's going to get a lot of money with brand deals anyways. So I feel like he may say that he takes a pay cut, but as a whole, it won't be that much of a difference compared to his contract once he once it is up in 2023. And who knows if he changes his mind between now and then, right? It's 2023. That's a few years away. So I don't know why he made this kind of a comment now because, I mean, yes, it is good mind games for down the road, but it's four years in advance, but what is right? what is he hinting at, though? Like, what is he saying to exactly. Colorado? Is he saying, exactly. is he saying in three years, in four years, I want you to have a superstar, another superstar? Is that what he's saying? In by, the, by this time, you need. By to this time, you need to have another guy. superstar. I'm going somewhere else. That's what he. I think that's what he's it saying. Could be. It, it could, could be because be, he's but... saying, "Hey, I'm going to take less money, but in 2023, you better have a superstar. You better have another good superstar." Like they do have a solid team. They yes. do have Mika Ranton as well. Mika Ranton. Ranton. Yeah. Ranton. Sorry, uh, who's on the team as well? They do have a young team. Um, but I feel like it could be a hint at if he's going to take less money because of po- a potential superstar that might be in the team in four years or yeah, three, three years be. from now. I don't know. We'll have to see uh, down the road because I mean this this. this this quote has been making its rounds on hockey Twitter and uh, hockey media especially, but I feel like it's a bit of an overreaction in the sense that, yeah, oh yeah, McKinnon's just playing the good guy because he wants to say, oh yeah, I'm going to be the guy that won't be overpaid. I'm going to be the guy that always has a good contract and I'm going to be the team player in a he, sense. He wants but, to be paid what he's valued because many players don't like saying, oh, they overpaid for him. Exactly. Oh, they overpaid for him. Oh, he's not performing for his money. Because if you think about yeah. it, there's been many players who have signed contracts who have been over, who haven't been paid, have been paid too much for what they're doing. They're not performing for what they were projected to be. Yeah. And I feel sorry, just to go slightly off topic for everybody that thinks that Nylander is overpaid as of right now, he is not overpaid because uh, he's on pace for about a 70 point season right now. 6.9 million for 70 points. That's a pretty good contract. Anyways, that was just a side note I wanted to get out because people are still tra- saying trade Nylander. I don't think it's 100% necessary at this point. I just wanted to get that out there. Either way, um, I think Nathan <laughs> a little McKinnon, side note out there. Yeah, yeah just, just like a little blurb because everybody's talking about how they want to trade Nylander. I don't think it's necessary at this time. Either way, um, I think Nathan McKinnon. Um, um, will take maybe a bit of a discount on his next contract, but that's still so far down the road. That's still, uh, I feel like that's a, we don't know what the ca- uh, cap situation could be in the next coming years. I mean, it could be a lot higher or it could be a lot less, right? So we don't know what we'll see in the next um, coming years. And it'll be interesting to see if that quote ages well or not, because yeah. it could va- age very badly for him. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, that wraps up our NHL discussion regarding Joe Thornton's scrum with Peter Morazic and Nate McKinnon's comment regarding his taking less money on his contract in 2023. This has been episode 16 of On The Rise Podcast with your host Sam and Evan. Be sure to check us out at ontherisepodcast.ca and Instagram at Rise Podcast. We'd like to give thanks to all our Midtown Radio listeners. Make sure to tune in next week for more great sports content.